Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. We're so glad you could join us today from wherever you guys are watching or listening from. If this is your first time joining us, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com, click on New. If you fill out that short form online for us as a way of saying thanks, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed right there. So we're in our final week, man, of this series called Running with the Giants. So this has been a really great series of messages I've enjoyed giving. Uh, it may be the final week for now, but we're definitely going to come back and do another round of Running with the Giants down the road. There's just so many great lessons you can learn from the heroes of faith that's found in Hebrews chapter uh, 11. And if you're not familiar with Hebrews chapter 11, hey, check this out. It's a letter written in the New Testament, okay? And it's written to first century Christians who are facing intense persecution in the Roman Empire. And it's really there to encourage those guys that, hey, there are spiritual giants, guys like Abraham and, and Noah and Moses who went before you. And in the next chapter, in Hebrews chapter 12, the author's going to keep that theme of spiritual giants running. And, uh, and he's going to say this, Hebrews 12, verse number one. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of the faith, let's strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let's run with the endurance, the race that God has set before us. So the witnesses is an allusion to these spiritual giants in Hebrews chapter 11. If you've just joined us here today, hey, the, the idea of running with the giants, it came from this thought. Um, you know, like what if these witnesses, you know, one at a time, got out of the stands and ran a lap with us? So the Bible often uses the idea of running a race to represent our lives. So what if one of these guys ran a lap with us? What would they teach us? You know, what kind of takeaways and wisdom could we glean from them? We spent the first week of running with the Giants, running with Samson, and learning you know, how you can be blind to all kinds of things in your life. And that can lead to some failure, but failure is never final when God has the last say. And then last week, you know, Elisha joined us, and our big takeaway was to give God our best in everything we're doing. And you know, God's watching, He's observing us, right? Um, and as we give our best, even in the small things, and that's key, God's gonna bless us. You know, your, your life might seem mundane, you might wonder, is this really it? But God is working. You can't always see it, you can't always feel it, but He's working, so base your life on the unseen things of God instead of always basing it on what you do see. The final spiritual giant to run a lap with us today is an Old Testament legend. His story uh, takes place in the first book of the Bible, a book called Genesis, and he's one of the big three. So whenever God revealed himself in ancient history in the Old Testament, he would say, I'm the God of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Jacob's who gets out and runs that final lap with us here today. So we actually know more about Jacob than most other folks in the Old Testament, and as he runs with us, I think Jacob might describe his life theme kind of like this. If he could theme his life out, I think his life would be, when your life isn't turning out the way you hoped. There's a lot of us out there that are feeling that today, right? 
And you can absolutely relate to this idea that life is not turning out the way you thought it would. Men in particular, you know, we find this hard uh, if we're facing this realization, but anybody can struggle with it. And chances are, if you do struggle with this, you're probably trying to control your life and attempting to manipulate things to work out exactly how you'd like them to happen, right? So Jacob was a master manipulator. He manipulated people and situations to get his life to work out exactly how he thought it should work. And it started as soon as he was born, okay? Check this out. He's a twin. From all accounts, he's a fraternal twin. So shout out to all the fraternal twins out there because he doesn't look anything like his brother Esau. So as Esau is born, uh, Jacob actually grabs his brother's heel. It's almost like Jacob is a, as a baby. He's saying, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Come on back in here. I'm supposed to be first, right? But that's a great image for Jacob's life. You know, he, he spends a good deal of time trying to play catch up, catch up to the dreams and the goals and the ideas that he's got for himself. Is any of this, by the way, starting to sound familiar to some of you guys out there? Like maybe your own life right now is, is just like that. And you've got this self-awareness, just enough of it anyway, to realize that this is as much a description of you as it is Jacob. There are some close encounters that Jacob has with God throughout his life as well. They're not always the best encounters, though, because Jacob is still stuck in trying to do things his way. Uh, I've noticed over the years, though, that many of us will have encounters with God, too, and in some form or another anyway, and, and we're still trying to script out a future that God's already written. And the more we try to write our own future, the more we try to manipulate things to get where we think we need to go, the more messy things actually become. Now, this is Jacob's life. So as we start running with Jacob, I think the main takeaway he would leave us uh, is this right here. Let God control your life. Let God control your life. Turn it all over to God. Trust him with everything. Now, that's really hard to do, okay? A lot of people will do the Christian thing. Like they'll, they'll, they'll get all the externals right. They'll go to church, they'll serve, they'll do groups, they'll give, all that kind of stuff. But they don't trust God enough to let Him have control of everything, in part because, you know, they're afraid that things just won't work out. If that's you today, you'll learn at some point that living with the need for control will create a crisis in your life. Not a crisis that God created, it's a crisis you actually created, but God will use that crisis to get your attention. And this happens to Jacob. It gets to a point where he's created a crisis for himself and he actually meets God at a place called Peniel. And it's here that Jacob reminds us that if you can let God control your life, three big changes are going to happen. So here's the first change, okay? The first change is this. You get a, a new strength. You get a new strength. So you're not depending on yourself anymore. You're not depending on God because you realize your strength doesn't cut it anymore, right? The story starts in Genesis chapter 32, verse number 22, okay? During the night, Jacob got up, took his two wives and his two servant wives and his 11 sons, a big family, right? Crossed the Yabok River with them, and after they got to the other side, he sent over all of his possessions. So what's happening here is that Jacob heard his brother Esau is on his way to meet him. So what I didn't talk about with Jacob's story is that he actually tricks Esau years earlier into receiving his older brother's blessing 
blessing and all the privileges which kind of come with that. So he's afraid of a conflict that it's going to break out, and, when, and, and that when Esau would arrive, he'll 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 take out his family. So Jacob splits everyone into two groups. That way, if you know one group gets attacked, the other group can actually make it and get away. So verse number 24. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. And when the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and he wrenched it out of its socket. <clears throat> the Hebrew word for man in this passage refers to some kind of supernatural being. So it could have been God. A lot of guys think it was. Could have been an angel. We don't really know. What we do know is that it was not an actual human, okay? So Jacob and this guy, they wrestle, and Jacob has the upper hand, doing pretty good. And the man he's wrestling with kind of cheats a little bit, you know? God cheated. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But he, he, he touched the hip, and, and Jacob's hip popped out. So we don't even know why they started wrestling to begin with. But it wouldn't surprise me if Jacob was the one who started <laughs> and brought that struggle on himself. We often do that, I think, when we're fighting for control. We struggle with so much self-reliance. And one of the signs that, that you might be doing that today is that you're more worn out than you should be. Like you're exhausted and worn out, not from other people, but from your own fights. Look at this, Matthew 11. Jesus, Jesus is speaking here and he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is calling out to you today, man, it's calling out to me today too, and he's saying, you're exhausted, you're tired, and you've been depending on yourself for far too long. You just stop that junk. Come to me, find the rest you're looking for. Now, now, rest here doesn't mean relaxing. He's not calling you for a vacay, okay? He wants you to carry a different type of burden. The word yoke in the passage is not a standard typical yoke. So there were two words for yoke in first century Israel, all right? The first word uh, could refer to a generic yoke. So it would fit any animal, oxen, mule, it doesn't matter. It's going to fit that animal no matter what. All right. The problem is not every animal is built the same. So if you let a mule or oxen carry that generic yoke for too long, they start to bruise. It might even begin to cut into their skin a little bit. And they're not going to work as hard by the end of the day, right? They're getting worn out. But the word that Jesus uses refers to a custom fit yoke. So farmers would measure their animals and build yokes just for them so they could work easy and not carry an extra burden. And this is key, unnecessary pain, right? And carrying out their purpose. There's a perfect fit. Listen to me for a moment. Some of you are living a life which does not perfectly fit you because it's a life you created for yourself. God wants you to live the life that he designed for you from the beginning. And to do that, you've got to come to him and you have to find the rest that he wants to give you. And he'll give you rest so that while you're still working, you know, you'll do it with the right kind of strength. It's not going to wear and tear on you. It's, it's why rest is a sign that you're doing God's work. It's not inactivity. It's a condition of your soul. That's why we get verses like, you know, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength and they'll soar like eagles, right? You ever seen an eagle fly? You know, they, they, they fly kind of, like they don't flap their wings, right? They soar, and it's a restful type of flying. But what they'll often do is they'll wait for a thermal current because that current is a strength which can actually lift them. It's not their own strength. And they will soar, let the current carry them while other birds work hard just to fly. 
you can't get nearly as far flapping those wings as you can soaring, right? When a bird flaps, they have to find a place to stop and rest, and they flap again and stop. Flap and stop, flap and stop. It's just on and on. But an eagle, they just soar. And the question for you today is you're gonna live your life under your own power, flapping your wings, right? Or live it under the power of God's Spirit who can lift you. So in other words, are you gonna let Him have control? Here's change number two. You get a new identity. Now I should say it's not entirely new. It's actually an old identity. It's, it's the one that you were originally purposed to have, you know? But you went out of your way and started writing your own script. And you know what God does when He takes control? It's He brings you back to your original identity that He created for you from the beginning. And it's better than the one that you're trying to create yourself. Look at verse number 27 in our story. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you'll be called Israel because you fought with God and with men and you've won. So Jacob means trickster or deceiver. And he's lived up to that billing ever since he was born. But God says, man, that's not who you are. I didn't create the trickster. I made you to be Israel. I made you to be a prince who contends with God. That's what Israel means. It means prince who fights, struggles, or contends with God. Can I tell you today that God, He doesn't see you as you are. He sees you as you can become. He doesn't see actualities. He sees possibilities in your life. There are so many places in the Bible where encounters with God change people's lives down to their very like core identity. In John chapter 1, Andrew brings his brother Peter with him, or Simon with him. He's not Peter yet. And Jesus takes one look and he says, hey, your name's Simon, which means listen to God. But that's not who you are anymore. You're a Cephas or a rock, you know, Peter. And I'm going to use you to build my church. See, Peter wasn't going to be passively listening to God. He was going to actively be building the kingdom of God. Then there's the story of Saul. You know, Saul is the academic and the zealot, the great persecutor of the early church. He has this one encounter with Christ, and he's no longer Saul. Like from that point forward, he's changed. He's now Paul. And as Paul, he writes one-third of your New Testament. He plants churches. He develops leaders. He leaves a legacy that's still felt and talked about and experienced to this day. God wants to bring you back to your original identity. He does it when He takes control of your life. Here's change number three. You get a new joy. Joy isn't external, it's internal. It's not circumstantial. It's, it's a choice that you make, right? Happiness is related to circumstances, but joy is ongoing regardless of what's happening in your life. Look at verse number 29. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man asked. Then he blessed Jacob there. <clears throat> When God blesses Jacob, He didn't exactly make him healthy, wealthy, and wise, all right? <clears throat> he, we've distorted the meaning of the word blessing today. What God does is, you know, He can bless you with health and wealth and wisdom for sure. <clears throat> Excuse me, but our, our blessing from God has nothing to do with circumstances. In the Greek, it means to have an internal joy. That's why Christ is always saying, blessed are those in His teaching in the Beatitudes. Like you inherit joy internally, no matter what comes your way. Now, you know, joy satisfies and fulfills your life regardless of your circumstances. So we're coming on the final leg of the lap, running out of time, and Jacob leaves us with a few final pieces of wisdom pertaining to allowing God to control your life. And so I think first, 
Uh, he'd probably want us to know that brokenness precedes breakthrough. That brokenness precedes breakthrough. So nothing can happen until you allow God to control your life. We've been talking about that here so far, right? Like God isn't judgmental now. One day he will be. It's a time for judging, but today's not that day. He doesn't expect perfection from you, but I'll tell you this, man. He does want honesty from you. I, I think God craves honesty. He's looking for us to say, hey, I'm incapable of living my own life without you. I want to go all in, God. And that's important because like, we can't be who God wants us to be and created us to be at the same time and hold on to what we think we should be. Your life needs to be open-handed where you invite God to take control and you surrender your life over to Him. It's a choice between holding on to yourself or letting God give you a rich and satisfying life. And that all stems from your decision to be honest with Him or not. Psalm 51:17 says this, The sacrifice that God desires is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6 talks about walking along the same lines of humbling ourselves there so that God can lift us up at the same time. You want a breakthrough, man? You got to break yourself. You got to humble yourself. You got to let God have control. If you can do that, then a breakthrough is on the horizon for you. And next, Jacob would tell us you must lose yourself to find yourself. We've heard this phrase before, right? You know, probably many times, but it basically means this. Your life will never be what you hoped it would be until you learn to do what that great Old Testament prophet Elsa <laughs> told us to do so long ago. Let it go, right? Sing it with me. Let it go, man. Let it go. Mark 8, 34 and 35, calling to the crowd to his disciples, Jesus said, anyone who intends to come to me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering, embrace it. Follow me, I'm gonna show you how. Self-help's no help at all, but self-sacrifice, well, that's the way. It's my way to saving yourself, your true self. And that's why you go all in. See, when I lose control of myself, when I let God have control instead, I find who I am in Christ. Don't allow you know, what you think you should be, and what you wanna be, to get in the way of who God made you to be. And here's the final piece of advice that Jacob leaves or running with him here today, okay? You find yourself on God's terms, you'll find fulfillment. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Go back to the message version real quick. I like how it puts it. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life. Place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. You know, recognize what He wants from you. Quickly respond to it. I don't have the culture around you always dragging you down to the level of immaturity. God will bring the best out of you and develop a well-formed maturity in you. Do you want to find fulfillment in your life? You got to hand it over to Christ. You'll never know what your life could have been like until you finally hand it over to the one who created it. So are you struggling, trying to write your own future when God's already written it? Are you finding yourself playing catch-up, manipulating and shifting things to create the ideal version of your life? Have things gotten a little messy for you along the way? You can be honest with yourself here today if you have a little bit of awareness. What's going on? How messy is it, right? Are you ready to fix it, to find a better way? Then give God control. Give Him control, and in the process, He'll give you a new strength, a new identity, 
a new joy, and your life will have a breakthrough which ends in ultimate fulfillment. Here's what I want to do today. I want to pray for you guys who are watching and listening right now, wherever you happen to be at. If perhaps you're, 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 you're listening and you say, Pastor, man, this is, I, I'm, I don't even have control of my life anymore. I think things are kind of messy and so out of whack. I don't have the least bit of control of anything happening. God can just have it. Great. I want to lead you in a prayer where we just give it over to God. Maybe you're holding on to it. You just don't want to let go. Man, you just, you're used to doing things your way. You're afraid. If I let it go, well, then maybe, what if things don't go the right way? You know, at least if I hold on to my life and things mess up and whatever, it's my fault, I can deal with that. But what if I let it go and things don't work out? And, you know, what, what could have been if I Just stop. <laughs> stop having that conversation. I've had it with myself many times. You know why? Because that's exactly how I think. You got to let God have control. He won't let you down. He's got you. He'll take care of you. If you give him your life, there's a guarantee, 100% guarantee, that your life's going to be better for it. doesn't mean things always work out great and amazing, but in the end, because God holds your life in his hands, it is better for it. Let it go, man. Let God carry it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going we're to say this prayer. I want to lead you in a prayer to give control over to Christ for the first time. For those of you who maybe haven't done that before, then I just want to pray for those of you guys who you know better. You know who God is. You've just been holding on to control of your life for way too long. Man, I, I just want to pray that you can let go, that maybe you'll get to a place you can humble yourself, you get to a place where you trust God, and you can just pry those fingers off of your life, off of your heart, and let God have it from here on out. Can we do that? Father, I love you, man. Thank you so much for who you are. I pray for those right now who don't know you. You say, man, my life is such a crazy mess right now. I don't even have control over it. God, here it is. It's yours. I, I want all in. Lord, I pray for those guys right now that as they're giving their hearts over to you and surrendering over to you, Lord, I pray that you would take control of their lives. And how we do that, in your own words, I want you to pray with me right here. Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for the wrong things that I've done. I'm sorry for calling my own shots. You've, you have a whole story written for me, and I've been trying to write my own, doing my own thing. But I don't want to do it anymore, man. In fact, from today on, I, I'm asking you to become my Savior. Forgive me for my sins. That's what a Savior does. He forgives. He restores. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my wrongs. Save me from the things that I've done. And then, God, I am going to follow you. I've tried doing things my way. I've tried leading. I've tried. No, I don't want it anymore, man. I'm giving everything over to you. God, you lead and you guide me. That's making him Lord of your life, where you submit yourself to him. And you give him control. And Lord, for those who already are following you, but they're still holding on. They're having a hard time letting go. Trust is an issue. Maybe pride's an issue. God, I pray that we get to a place where they can humble themselves, Lord. I pray they would humble themselves before you today and that they would just let it go. Let go of the areas of their lives, God. Let go of the parts of their heart, God, they're holding on to that they just can't give up. And I pray, Lord, as they do that, that God, you would free them. 
that God, you would uh, give them reassurance that, hey, everything's okay. You're a sovereign God. You're in control. You got this. You will take care of them. You will take care of their heart. They are, they are in great hands here. And I pray, Lord, that as they let go, they'd find that freedom. They would have that, that easy yoke, that custom fit yoke Christ talks about. They would have that yoke where they carry, where it is easy, it is light, and that purpose they have, God, that you've given them, they can live that out with no problem. Lord, I pray for, for those who are just praying for that breakthrough in their life, God. I pray you would break them. Brokenness precedes breakthrough. I pray they get to a place where, you know, God, their, their humility can break them. And that breakthrough, God, you want to do inside of their heart and their life begins to take place and kind of comes to fruition there. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do in their lives and their hearts. We thank you for who you're ministering to here today. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.